Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. This is Bloodlines, September 1st, 2019, and on here on EurofolkRadio.com, the only 24-7 Christian identity radio network in the world. And boy, the Jews do not like it. (laughs) So, but we're going to persist here until the Judgment Day. Uh, first of all, I want to bring your attention to the show that Doc Waterman and I did last night on the Restoration Hour about the Jewish control of the kosher pharma industry and the Sackler brothers who are literally guilty of murdering hundreds of thousands of Americans with their pain, so-called pain medications, which are nothing but addictive opioids. And we quoted from an article from the Jerusalem Post. And although the Jerusalem Post admitted that the Sackler brothers had caused the deaths of all of these people here in America, nevertheless, they went out of their way to suggest that they were philanthropists. Okay. (laughs) See, Jews can do no wrong. And if they, if they spend money on building themselves monuments, then they call themselves philanthropists. And so that whole story we went through last night on Restoration Hour, and you can pick up that recording at Eurofolk Radio. Just uh, go to the drop-down box on Show Downloads, and you'll see, you know, you'll click on Restoration Hour, and you'll see that's the first item that pops up. In addition, for those of you who are experiencing pain, uh, Doc went through a list of natural painkillers, non-addictive natural painkillers, that if you're dealing with pain, you can try all of these. And I'll just go down the list real quick. Doc suggested wild lettuce, CBD oil, curcumin slash turmeric, White willow, which is actually the uh, aspirin that the Indians chewed on that white willow for to ease their pain. And ashwagandha, boswellia, which I think is also uh, frankincense, clove oil, and foxglove. foxglove. So these, all these herbs and oils are available at simplyyouroils.com. So if you're dealing with pain... It's worth trying one of these instead of doing an addictive opioid. uh, For some reason, the medical industry does not have anything that isn't addictive. Uh, But even aspirin, although aspirin is not addictive, and that's derived from white willow, it can mess with your stomach. A lot of people report stomach pain with aspirin and also ibuprofen and drugs like that. So... um, when I was forced to take it for uh, inflammation, when I injured my spine, I was taking ibuprofen, but very, very moderately, and uh, maybe once a day, the two tabs once a day, when I first got up to get me going. So the, you know, there are alternatives, but you always have to watch anything that's over the counter or prescribed by your doctor. It has side effects, and it could be addictive. So that's what that show was all about last night. So I highly recommend that you listen to that. Okay, now, very quickly, an update on Pastor Steve. 
I was in Lexington the past few days, checking up on Steve, helping him out with uh, work that needed to be done in his apartment. Uh, Brother Joe from Cleveland came down and helped me. He was a tremendous help. I couldn't have done all all this work without his help. And then, but when uh, when he went to the nursing home, they wouldn't tell him where Steve was because he was temporarily transferred to uh, the the downtown hospital. And uh, they're tight-lipped about their patients. And so I asked him, well, how in the world are his friends and relatives supposed to find out where he is if you won't tell anybody? So, uh, but I told him I was his pastor. And as soon as I said I was his pastor, they backed off and they, they gave me his location. So we went and I got power of attorney, which I really needed to do because they, they're not allowing anybody to contact him. So they have to contact me now if anything you know, unusual happens and I will you know, be on top of his situation. The good news is that he's not feeling as much pain as he has been. So he is slow, slowly recovering. I expect that he will make a full recovery and he will be on the air again with us. If they allow him to broadcast from the nursing home, uh, he will certainly try to do so. But they probably won't allow that. It's probably just too much trouble for somebody in a nursing home. But in any case, uh, we'll be praying for him. And so keep uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, pray that his pain is lessened and that he gets full recovery of the use of his, the left side of his body. Okay. So he is re- getting a feeling back a little bit on his left side. I I. Uh, tweaked his toes a little bit and he said he could feel something but you know it's not like being able to walk on your left leg okay so he needs your prayers and uh we're, we're keeping our you know mind on pastor steve that he makes a great recovery now uh, interestingly uh for those of you uh, who have been uh, regular listeners to efr for a long time you know that I have had an issue with congestion and that problem went away once I stopped eating wheat products because they have tampered with our wheat, GMO, uh, who knows, uh, and the chemicals they spray on our food, on our crops, are making all of our food toxic. So when I stopped eating wheat products, within three days, my congestion went away. I've got a touch of that right now. Uh, apparently, it's allergy season, so I've really got to back off. And, uh, you know, I had a hot dog <laughs> yesterday with a bun, of course. And uh, so my body's reacting to it already. So uh, if, you, if you have congestion problems, try backing off on wheat products and see what happens because it can be really annoying not being able to breathe or sleep at night because you're having difficulty breathing. One other thing, uh, Brother Rob is uh, beginning uh, a series on the autumn feast days, and the Feast of Trumpets begins Thursday, September 19th, and it lasts a week to the 27th. So I believe uh, Brother Aber is going to start that series today 
after Voice of Christian Israel, where he'll be talking about the significance of these feast days for those of us in Christian identity. Okay, so we're going to go back to the uh, scheduled topic for this week. And let me quickly go into the chat room. Yeah, I posted it in there. Okay, so we're going to talk about the two bloodlines from the Enmity series on my website, www.anglo-saxonisrael.com. And we're going to start on the heading of creationism. Last week, we talked about the fallacies built into the idea of natural selection, namely evolutionism, and how it is as unscientific as any as any idea could possibly be. Uh, not only does it not meet the, uh, the, the qualifications, uh, the parameters of the scientific method, which requires that experiments be done and duplicated, none of that has ever happened, ever, by any evolutionist. They have never performed any experiment that demonstrates the, you know, how should we put this, going up on the scale of mammals from one to another or any or any animal whatsoever. No, no scientist has ever performed an experiment or ever witnessed any such thing. So it's all pure speculation. So, and today we're going to start out by talking about the opposite side of the coin, creationism, and both of these ideas are absolutely false. They're the opposite extremes. They're the Jewish dialectic that uh, you're supposed to choose between one or the other. And then once you've made up your mind about one or the other, then you shouldn't have to worry about anything. You, you know it all. Obviously, that's not true. The truth is in the middle. The truth is in the middle. And the you know, there is adaptation within a given species or subspecies, but no evolution, and there's no six-day creation. <laughs> they got all that wrong. And so we're going to focus more on creationism today and then get started on the analysis of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the two-seed line doctrine, and how this is the only possible correct interpretation of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So let's get started under the heading of creationism. <clears throat> Excuse me. Creationism is the ultimate trip of taking an English translation of a document and taking that translation completely literally without regard to the meaning of the words in the original language. Okay? So when, whenever you have a sentence and that sentence contains a word that may have multiple definitions... Well, you can pick and choose which definition you want to throw into that sentence. And that is what the creationists have done without considering the possibility that the other definitions may be more correct or maybe the, the one you have chosen is totally wrong for the context that you're translating in. So, for example, if somebody translates a document from English where you were talking about red and green stoplights, 
and let's say he translates it into Italian, and he reverses the meaning of red and green so that now you read this book and then you stop when the light turns green and you go when the light turns red, you can see what a horrible translation that would be. That is virtually how bad the King James Version is uh, with regard to Genesis chapter 1 and the concept of day from Yaum and the and the concept of uh, you know, the the morning and the evening. They have got that totally wrong, or the evening and the morning. They have got that totally wrong, and the evening and the morning is only 12 hours anyway. It's not a 24-hour period, if you want to interpret it literally. And, of course, we know that the, in the context of Genesis 1, Yalm means age or eon, it does not mean 24-hour day. So you have these two theories, which are both unscientific, and the creationism is unbiblical to boot. And from both of these theories, we get the idea that white people evolved from some black lady in Africa umpteen billion years ago, which is utterly ridiculous, that totally violates the genetic code, and the fact that DNA has never been observed to do anything but reproduce kind after kind has never been demonstrated to evolve. In this case, it would be devolve anyway. And the creationists teach devolution as well because they claim all the races devolved from Adam and Eve. Okay, so this is the garbage that is pumped into our brains Whether we are religious or not, we get garbage devolution. Evolution, devolution, it doesn't matter. It's all garbage. Now, the Bible is not a a history book, or I should say a science book. But nevertheless, the, the natural history statements contained within the Bible are accurate. But the Bible is not intended to be a science book. It is a history book about the Adamic race. That's what it is. It traces the history of the Adamic race, and we'll be proving that in this series. So so let's continue. Well, one more comment. How in the world can a pair of white people, Adam and Eve, who show blood in the face, within what, one generation? produce blacks, Latinos, Orientals, Australopithecans, and who knows what, Dravidians. It's not possible scientifically because all DNA studies show that DNA replicates itself. No positive mutations. I stressed that point last week. There is no such thing as a positive mutation. Mutations lead to either disease or death. Period. No comment after that. Period. Yet, the fable of evolution posits that, oh, well, these positive mutations are responsible for evolution. No. Never happened. Absolutely never happened. Continuing. How a so-called scientist and creationists are scientists, or they purport to be, some of them purport to be, can perpetuate such a blunder is beyond my comprehension. Don't don't they ever look at the actual words <laughs> in the Hebrew and look at the definitions? They they must have a strong concordance, or the other 
you know, Bible study, uh, you know, uh, concordances and dictionaries, but I guess they don't even look at those. And if they ever did, they picked the definition they like and ignored the rest. What these creationists are trying to do is make the modern world accept a medieval translation of Scripture as scientific fact. In order to do this, they must insist that the planet Earth is only 6,000 years old. There are two main problems with this theory. One, the sedimentary record proves that the Earth is much older. In fact, there are two major extinction events before Genesis chapter 1. And those two extinction events show absolutely zero fossils. So this proves both the creationist uh, theory wrong and evolutionism wrong because that means evolution would have had to start over twice. So all of those billions of years into the past that the evolutionists claim have created uh, evolution, no, it ended twice. There were two major extinction events and uh, there are no fossils in, in those layers. So how could they continue... <laughs> How could evolution continue past the extinction event? It's absurd, folks. It's utterly absurd. But nevertheless, we have all this absurdity being taught at the universities and the seminaries. And the average person is clueless that uh, there is an alternative, namely two-seed line identity. Okay, so, the, number one, the sedimentary record proves that the earth is much older. And two, the Bible says no such thing. Nowhere does the Bible say that the earth is only 6,000 years old. This is a false deduction based on Archbishop Usher's calculations of the lifespans of the biblical patriarchs. So, this only the story of the Bible only begins, if you're talking about Adam, with the life of Adam. And he was placed into the garden and uh, you know, was there to tend the garden and, and meant tend the earth, actually, not just the garden, ultimately to tend the entire earth. And that was just, uh, the Garden of Eden was just supposed to be his uh, study, his schooling, in which, uh, from which he could take control and dominion of the entire planet. So that's in Genesis 2. So this only covers Genesis 2, the creation of the species, the white race species, is given in Genesis chapter 1, and the creation of all the other species that we have in this current reconstruction, recovery, replenishment. In order to replenish, <laughs> it had to be plenished once before. Okay, the earth had become null and void. It wasn't that way from the beginning. It had become. So, the Bible t uh, be picks up after the last extinction event. And if you read the language of Scripture, that's clearly what's going on. The Bible picks up. It's the reconstruction, recovery after the last extinction event. Now, Yahweh, if he can create a universe once, he can, you re he can create it twice and three times if necessary until he gets a remnant that's willing to obey his law. So that's what we're all about here at Eurofolk Radio is getting people to obey his laws so that 
uh, okay, uh, Freebird asks, uh, what Bible? Uh, I primarily have been using the um, Jerusalem Bible because it uses the sacred names and uses the word race because the word goy is defined as race, comma, nation. Ethnos in the Greek is defined as race, comma, nation. So why don't the translators use the word race in their translations? Because that word is taboo. That word is taboo. So hello to everybody in the chat room. Glad to see you here. Wow, you know, there's so much going on. But uh, Pastor Steve has been using the scriptures, which are being constantly amended with the correct translations. And so we now uh, recommend the scriptures. And uh, I don't have the address. Maybe somebody could uh, put that in the chat room. If you're interested in getting a copy of the scriptures, that is the one we've been now recommending because it's both good in the uh, Hebrew and the Greek translations. So continuing here. So so we have Archbishop Usher's calculations, but those only take us back to Genesis 2. Genesis 1 is a series of ages, eons, not 24-hour days, okay? So we're going to get into that in great detail in this series. So this idea that the earth is only 6,000 years old, that is a false deduction based upon the calculations of the lifespans of the biblical patriarchs. It only takes us to Genesis chapter 2. We have to go back further in time. It completely ignores the problem of where Cain got his wife, and how immediately after being kicked out of the garden, he built a city and ruled over its people. Where did these people come from? Were they Adamites, pre-Adamites, or non-Adamites? Well, the mainstream Judeos will tell you he married his sister. Or, the only other alternative, if you assume that there were only three people on the face of the earth after Cain killed Abel, and that would be Adam, Eve, and Cain. He must have had sex with his mother. But we in Two Seed Line don't teach any such thing. The non-Seed Line theologians have to make all these crazy assumptions because they refuse to admit that in Genesis chapter 1, all the species, all the known species of mammalians and uh, most of the sea creatures and the birds were created there including the white race, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But we're the only ones that show blood in the face, and we have gone through the, uh, you know, we, we did a show on the beast with a hand by Jason Blaha, and that's also available here at Eurofolk Radio. Just uh, go to the main page and you type in the name in the search box, Jason Blaha, and that article will come up demonstrating that there are two-legged beasts in the Bible and that these two-legged beasts refer to the other races. So they were all here before Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. So were these were they Adamites, pre-Adamites, or not Adamites? Well, the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 tells us about the creation of all these other species and the two-legged beasts. 
Of course, these are the types of questions that these creationists specifically wish to avoid. Where did the other races come from? Well, they have to preach devolution or evolution, but they only have 6,000 years <laughs> to deal with, so it has to be devolution. It means that they, and along with the rabbis, teach that the, all the races devolved from Adam and Eve, and then they had to do so again at right after Noah's flood because they teach that Noah's flood killed everybody on the planet except those eight people. And that's, of course, also wrong. The The flood of Noah was not global. The Bible only records the putting onto the ark of the clean and unclean animals, which is a reference to uh, domesticated animals such as horses and cows. The clean are cows, the unclean are horses. So, and it's clear that Noah and Adam and Abraham and all those patriarchs knew the law because they conversed with Yahweh and he gave them the law. They, uh, many in many cases, like Adam and Eve, failed to obey it. And that's why we have all this trouble on the earth today. So they knew the law, even in Genesis uh, chapter Three, where we talk about Cain disobeying Yahweh's command to give him the first fruits. The theologians, the Judeo theologians, don't even know why Cain's offering was rejected. Well, he failed to offer the first fruits, he kept the best for himself and gave the scraps to Yahweh. Right? That's why Cain's offering was rejected. But the Judeos don't even know that. That's a big question mark in Judeo-theology. So, the evolutionists want to avoid these questions also because they want to insist that the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales. Well, the creationist version of it is a bunch of fairy tales. And both sides are happy to live with this confusion for eternity. But praise Yahweh, he saw it in his heart to create the two-seed-line identity movement begun by Gerald L.K. Smith, Bertrand Compare, Dr. Wesley Swift, and others who actually did word studies and found out the real meanings of these Hebrew and Greek words. So that now we have a, it's actually Christian identity is a revisionist movement revise the bad translations of Scripture and go to the correct ones. And that's what Pastor Steve has done with the Old Testament. And as soon as he recovers, and now that I have power of attorney, I can. Yeah, I collected his mail while I was there, and there weren't any mail orders for any of his uh, translations. There may be on his email account, but I did not have time to check his email and uh, we will start to do, I'll, I'll try to get uh, Steve a, uh, a laptop or a tablet so that he can actually go through his email and see if there's any orders for his books. But in the meantime, don't place any email orders. Uh, and uh, actually, I wonder who's uh, paying for his website. <laughs> I'll have to go and make sure that uh, his website payments are being kept up. Uh, I think that's www.pastor-steve.com. So uh, I'll have to check and see. I haven't had time or even thought about whether his website is still up. 
So in any case, let's continue here. I smell a rat, a Jewish rat, a rat with lots of money to throw around. The money he throws around distorts the scientific record and it distorts scripture. The time has come for a serious attempt to resolve natural history and scripture. Given the solid research that has been done by the identity researchers mentioned above, and I just named a few of them, and uh, most of them are two seed liners. For uh, the, the single seed liners have not done the word studies in Genesis 1 through 4 either, but at least they know the Jews aren't Israelites. <laughs> okay, and that's an important step. And the current level of work being done by those of us following in their footsteps, I have no doubt that we will understand the natural history of this planet and we will discover that scripture does not lie. It never has. Theologians lie and scientists lie. Yes, they do, folks. Because scientists are paid by big pharma and uh, big banks and the warmongers to produce atom bombs and deadly chemicals, yes, and scientists and these big pharma companies pay for studies that lie to us about the safety of their products. Yes, scientists do lie, folks. All those young and impressionable students who go to med school and become scientists and and educators, blah, blah, blah. They're taught nothing but lies, and they come out of college being liars, full-fledged liars, whether they're theologians or scientists, doesn't matter. Because that's we were told that Satan is the prince of this world, and those people follow Satan, not Yahweh. But Yahweh does not lie, nor does his book, the Bible, but you have to have a correct translation. And it seems like only those of us in Christian identity have any interest in, in having a correct translation of the scriptures. All these other entities are standing pat on their dogma. Quoting Matthew 10, 26, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. That's Matthew 10, 26. Yahweh promised us, that all of these secrets and these lies would be revealed and exposed. The Jews have done a fantastic job of hiding from the world their criminality, their genocide of the white race, their poisoning of the white race, their poisoning of the planet. Even Greenpeace is owned by the Rothschild. So you cannot trust any of these secular or Judeo institutions. You cannot trust them. They're all part of global Jewish business. That's all that they are about. Okay, I thank you, Swamp Fox. He sees that it's still up. Pastor Steve's website is still up. And uh, if you want to purchase a book, you can, uh, I don't know if uh, Pastor Steve has his address there, but you can order it through A&P. And so let me give you, uh, if you're interested in Pastor Steve's translation, you can go to pastor-steve.com slash items for sale and just uh, send your check or money order to A&P and I'll make sure you get a copy, etc. because I've got some here. 
So uh, that you can order an ANP Post Office Box 41-1373, Chicago, Illinois, 60641. I'll repeat that. ANP Post Office Box 41-1373, Chicago, Illinois, 60641. So thank you, Swamp Fox, for checking. All right, yeah, and so uh, Freebird says he has a KJV and a 1599 Geneva. I'd say the Geneva Bible is preferable to the KJV because the KJV was authorized, uh, impaneled by King James, who was, with this so-called authorized version, was trying to overthrow the Geneva Bible and force people into the 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 Church of England. Okay, he wanted to trump the Geneva Bible and force everybody to use his translation, which is loaded with errors. And so the KGV only crowd don't, don't realize the politics behind the uh, you know impanelment of the King James translators, and they often resorted to consulting with rabbis for their Old Testament translation. So. What good could it possibly be, right? And that's where we have all of these generic false translations, such as the word Gentile, which is a, a, a totally useless word, and the false translation of the word Jew, the equation of Jew with Israelite. The Bible does not teach that because in the Old Testament, the Judahites were a racially compact nation that did not race mix with the you know external world outside of the 12 tribes of Israel and the white race and the Jew we know that Jews are the most race mixed people on the face of the earth so Jews can't be you know a, a racially pure breed they cannot be they're mixed the Bible forbids all of this mixing so we know the Jews can't possibly be Israel simply by biblical definition. Nor are the Jews a patriarchal society. They trace their lineage through the mother, which is also anti-biblical. I mean, if you know those two things, then you know absolutely the Jews cannot be Israel. Yes, we should be subject to the higher powers. Yeah, and, and that's true, Lily. The mainstream Christians don't even read the Bible. Certainly Catholics don't. Certainly the average Jew doesn't, and they don't, most Jews don't even know about the Talmud, that the Talmud is not scripture. It's totally made up junk by the rabbis. So only those of us in Christian identity are aware of these things. We're the only ones not fooled, as the, as the Bible says. Were it possible, even the elect would be deceived. But we're not deceived. We understand so we've got to be the elect. So if you want to stay elect, keep obeying Yahweh's laws and don't go in with these you know, Luciferians, these evolutionists, these Judeo-Christians who are teaching falsehoods up and down, up and down the highway and never come to the truth. So there are very interesting natural explanations for Joshua's long day, for the plagues of Egypt, and even for the manna that fell from the sky. Yahweh does not need to violate his own law in order to awe us with his miracles. Yeah, he made that dumbass speak. 
to that Chaldean priest when he when he was uh, conscripted by the uh, king of uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the the people the Ammonites the uh, Midianites and the Adamites uh, Ammonites to find out how do we kill kill off these Israelites he said well you can't kill them off you uh, you can only race mix with them that's the only way you can get rid of them is by race mixing with them and so and then when uh, one of them got caught race mixing Phineas the priest took a javelin and skewered them both in the act and in the process the plague that was among the Israelites was healed why well they probably got some venereal disease from uh, having sex with the Midianite women who dressed up like prostitutes to attract the Israelite men. So, and Jesus refers to that and condemns that episode. And I think so does Jude and First Peter, you know, refer to that, that this is fornication. Fornication, it's clearly a reference to Israelite men having sex with forbidden women. Okay, now the book of Adam. Oh, hold on. Uh, uh, one more thing here. Uh, Yahweh, Yahshua did not violate the law when he performed his miracles. He did them with the full operation of natural law, law which we do not understand yet because of this false dichotomy between science and religion. Now, the interesting thing, as I have mentioned many times, quantum mechanics has proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that the source, the cause, the force that causes all natural phenomena, it comes from some transcendent source, a source that cannot be reached by the scientific method. Many quantum physicists have come out and stated, without saying that there exists a God, <laughs> without saying that God exists, they have concluded that the natural world cannot be understood by the scientific method, because they cannot get at the source. They cannot get at the cause. Well, the cause is transcendent. The vast majority of these quantum physicists are now teaching intelligent design. But you won't know that if you go to university, because they're still teaching evolutionism. They have to in order to keep their uh, empire of lies going. Intelligent design, folks. That is the growing consensus. Day after day, more nuclear physicists, quantum mechanics, etc. are falling in line with intelligent design. There's no other possibility. The human body is way too complex to have just sprung into being by accident. So, the book of Adam. That's what the Bible is, folks. It's the book of Adam. Genesis 5.1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Generations meaning posterity. The descendants of Adam through Eve. Whereas we'll find out that the seed line of the Jews stems from Cain, the seduction of Eve by Nachash, who was not a snake. <laughs> we don't teach that Nakash was a snake. He was one of those bi bipedal beasts of the field, most probably a fallen angel, just like the one t told us in Book of Enoch that Gadrel, 
seduced Eve, who was a fallen angel, and he, uh, you know, he made Eve's eyes sparkle, probably gave her a dose of Soma, which was the, what do they call that uh, drug? They, they slip into your drink to uh, knock you out, knockout drops, okay, so that uh, you can be raped while you're unconscious. Yeah, they do that. People still do that even today. Well, the drug of choice that was available in those days was called Soma. And uh, they still have all kinds of drugs uh, that do that. Alcohol by itself is, is a good one for breaking down. If you want to seduce a woman, breaking down her resistance. Alcohol. Uh, should, should I be doing <laughs> talking about this? Well, of course, not that you don't know about this. But this is what happened to Eve. This is what happened to Eve. She was not, she did not do this willingly. She was tricked. That's the point I'm getting at. She was tricked. She was taking, taken advantage of. She did not know the seriousness of what she was doing. And she didn't voluntarily enter into this act. She was deceived. To be tricked means that you didn't do it voluntarily. You were taken advantage of. You have to realize that don't blame Eve for being tricked. It wasn't her fault. Nevertheless, the result, if she gets raped and bears a child by the name of Cain, whether she was tricked or not, you still get the same result. A half-breed, half-demon, half-human, actually, unfortunately, half-Adamite, half-demon, half-Adamite called Cain. That's what Cain was, half-demon, half-Adamite, or I should say half-fallen angel, half-Adamite. Okay, and the, and the planet Earth is way older than uh, 12,000 years because there's records going to previous civilizations where they had the same trouble. So apparently, and if we go into the book of Job, we talk about Satan having fallen to the earth. We don't know when that happened. That could have happened umpteen thousands of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And we are told in the apocryphal literature that he was given reign over the earth. He was supposed to take over the earth and create order, but he failed to do so. He ruled He ruled with unrighteousness instead of righteousness. And that is why Yahweh created the Adamic species, to take over from them, from the fallen ones. And, and Satan knew exactly what Yahweh had intended, and he did his absolute best to destroy our race right from the very get-go. And, of course, he chose Eve because her womb would be uh, distorted, defiled by such a union. And that's why he chose Eve. But the Bible tells us that Adam was not deceived. <laughs> he did so willingly. Well, he was put in a conundrum within a, within a, <laughs> a quandary. <laughs> And didn't know what to do. So we are a fallen race. But nevertheless, our DNA, the DNA between Adam and Eve, is pure Adamic DNA, 
even though we still bear the fallenness from you know the unrighteousness that occurred in the Bible in the in the Garden. That this is why we uh, we teach that we have to remain pure racially and remain pure morally with righteousness. Otherwise, you can't be part of the wedding feast of the Lamb. You will not be part of it. So let's continue. When the Most High divided the nations to their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, as they were spreading out in the earth in those days, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For Yahweh's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. We are still his people. And we are the ones who determined national borders on this planet. There were no such things as national borders. There were natural borders such as mountain ranges and rivers and oceans and lakes. But until the coming of our people, the Caucasian Israelites, there were no such thing as national borders. We're the ones who created national borders. And that's what Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9 is telling us, that we're the ones. The Bible is the book of Adam and his descendants. This absolute fact has been obscured by centuries of, of universalistic heresy. As much as I admire Martin Luther for his exposure of papal crimes, he is one of the main guilty culprits. He is the one who promoted faith over the law, although he was not an antinomian. A doctrine which is clearly unscriptural. With the so-called Age of Enlightenment, the Bible took serious hits. The early period of the scientific era seemed to make the Bible obsolete, and of course the, the fable of evolution. The Scopes trial rang the death knell of biblical exegesis. The fable of evolution reared its ugly head. The skeptics had a field day lambasting the Bible believers. Unfortunately for the Bible scholars, archaeology had not yet caught up with the historicity of the Bible. It has. To date, it has. And every single archaeological finding that pertains to the Bible has proved the Bible to be true historically. Absolutely true statement that I just made. No archaeological finding has ever disproved the Bible. It has only verified the Bible. From a cultural perspective, the old adage, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, <laughs> obtained around the world. And just within the last 60 years or so, the Judeo-Christian heresy proclaimed itself as the only true version of Christianity, with scores of televangelists making up doctrine and perverting the writings of Paul in order to derive the, quote, faith-only doctrine. And then there are the numerous Jewish perversions of Scripture, starting with the Masoretic text and the Talmud. This tangled ball of twine is a real mess of confusion. It is time that we look carefully at Scripture and see what it is really telling us about life on this planet. Okay, yeah, well, you know, deep, yeah, it could be, right? Okay, Swam Fox puts in, the Greek word expatio, uh, uh, number 1818, and it means to seduce holy. That's, that's where Paul was talking about the seduction of Eve. 
So that is a very emphatic word in the Greek to wholly seduce. It it meant it means they went all the way, folks. Okay, it means the sex act was completed. That's why Eve bore Cain. Okay, so we have, and of course Genesis one eleven states very plainly that his the the beings the genomes that he created have reproduced kind after kind and have their seed within themselves. And that's as good a definition of a genetic DNA as you can find anywhere because that's the case everywhere. Platypuses have derived nothing but platypuses from the seed within themselves. Likewise with wheat, corn, and uh, other vegetables, other mammals, and everything we know reproduces kind after kind, and they have their seed within themselves. That's genetics, folks. That's the scientific definition of genetics, Genesis 1.11, and no one has been able to demonstrate otherwise. No devolution has ever taken place. That is always done by breeders. By breeders namely Jews. They're the ones encouraging the race mixing going on in the world today. Let's go back to our document here. So the book, this is the book of Adam and his descendants. It says so very plainly in Genesis 5.1. Okay, we're talking about the line of descent of Adam and Eve through all the patriarchs. I mean, it's just laid out there as plain as day. In the Old Testament, it's continued in the New Testament. How, how can you get this wrong? It's laid out as plain as day. Well, this tangled ball of twine has included such doctrines as antinomianism, dispensationalism, the, uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, the Jews complain about Christianity being uh, you know, replacement theology where, in fact, Judaism is replacement in theology. The Jews have replaced Israel in the Bible and taught. So the first replacement theology is, in fact, Judaism. And then (laughs) Judeo-Christianity compounds the problem by creating, uh, by taking Israel, by, by denying the prophecies in the Old Testament, saying that Israel would recognize the Messiah. The Jews never have. And they they worshiped the Jewish Jesus, not the real Jesus, the one who shows blood in the face. So this tangled ball of twine, I guess we just have to go through this. This is kind of like, you know, if you go to a deprogramming center, if you've been brainwashed by some cult, And Christian identity is not a cult because we encourage critical thinking. We encourage you to read the Bible, do your own research, buy the concordances, do your own research. We're the only ones who encourage you to do this. All the others say, just believe us. We're the experts. We know what we're talking about. 
we and the Jews and the fable of evolutionism. Yeah, right. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. No, they're all liars. Once you do the word studies, you see that the Bible is a very, it's, we've been proven, proving that the Bible is the most accurate history book in the world, warts and all. Other history books of other civilizations, they always accentuate the positive and sweep the negative under the rug. Not the Bible. The Bible lists all of our sins, all of them. The Jews teach they can do no wrong. So how did Israel going go from an unrighteous, sinful people that Yahweh constantly has to spank to get us into line, how did the Jews suddenly go from being sinners to having no done no wrong ever? That's what they teach. Well, if they're really Israelites, they would acknowledge their sins as the Israelites have always done. Let's continue. Once we understand that the Bible is the book of Adam and his descendants, everything falls into place. History becomes understandable. Jewish violations of God's law and their crimes against the Anglo-Saxon world glare out at us like the monstrous acts of genocide they really are. Since 1880, when Napoleon let the Jews out of the ghettos, Edom has taken over this planet. We're in the little season. Described in Revelation 19.20, when Edom has taken dominion over us, Jacob Israel. And this will not this will not be resolved until the second coming. So get ready. <laughs> the second coming is getting ready to happen. We're getting closer and closer and closer. The series that uh, Pastor Andrew Hitchcock and I have done about the last days what prophecies are yet to be fulfilled? All the biblical prophecies, except for the very end, such things as the wedding feast of the Lamb, the judgment day, the, uh, how should I put it, the exclusion of sinners from the kingdom, that doesn't happen until the very end. So we're really close. There's virtually nothing left in prophecy except these last details. Revelation 20 to 22, those prophecies, there's still some there that have yet to be fulfilled, and all of them relate to the very end. The second coming being the most important one, and the judgment day, when Yahshua returns with his angels with a flaming sword, where they're going to kick Jew butt. Unfortunately for white people who do not want to recognize the Bible and Yahshua and the white race as the true Israelites, they're not going to survive either because they're deluded, just as much deluded as the Judeo-Christians. So if you think you can get by just on a race alone, the white nationalists, without considering your genetic heritage as Israelites and taking the Bible seriously, if you're anti-Bible just as the Jews really are, then you're, you'll be counted as one of the tares as stated very plainly in John 15. Okay, so the Bible is about the chosen people, the Caucasian Israelites. That's what it's about. Okay. 
Usury is seen in its treacherous light. The gospel of the kingdom stands out against the phony gospel of personal salvation. The kinsman redeemer comes to redeem his fallen kinsmen. I come not but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The battle between the evil seed and the holy seed plays itself out. Genesis 3.15. It was prophesied right there. And that prophecy is, is still busy playing itself out. In history, in reality, in politics, in religion, the judgment day comes to a sep- uh, comes to separate the wheat from the tares. That is the purpose of the judgment day, to separate the wheat from the tares. Next heading: the Adamic seed line. The Bible clearly spells out two main seed lines. One, the Adamites, two, the Canaanites, or in the, uh, the first incarnation, the Kenites, K-E-N-I-T-E-S. Although it is possible to lump all non-Adamites under the label Canaanites, which also means merchants, we need not concern ourselves with other specific races. The fact is that the descendants of Cain started out racially mixed. It is the mongrelization of species that is of main concern to us in keeping the white race pure. This is why the Jews hate Christian identity with a passion, because we are the ultimate white separatists. Throughout the Bible, Israel, God's servant people, is admonished not to race mix with other peoples. The fact that this clear law has been avoided and ignored by mainstream Christianity is a scandal par excellence. Our churches used to be segregated until the 1950s. Did the Bible change? Or did the churches become apostate? The various modern heresies of Christianity such as Catholicism, Protestantism, Anglicanism, Judeo-Christianity, fundamentalism, etc. All now promote race mixing. Now, when I first wrote this, the transgender movement wasn't so big in the churches as it is now. So they're promoting homosexuality and they're promoting non-Christian people in their pulpits as the pulpiteers of Judeo-Christianity invite anything and everything into the pulpit to preach their blasphemy. All now promote race mixing as if there were never a biblical injunction against it. And, oh yeah, and the queers say, oh, Jesus loves queers. We have to point out to these people that the idea of race mixing was considered evil throughout all of history and by all peoples except the Jews, until about the last 50 or 60 years. People have short memories, including white nationalists. It was during this time that the Jews took over our media and began to influence our denominational churches through televangelism with their promotion of race mixing for white Christians, especially for white women. Just look at all the ads, Jewish ads. The Jews control the advertising industry too. Every ad has a white woman and a black man often kissing, holding hands, hugging, and whatever they can get away with on television. 
while promoting cultural exclusivity for themselves. Now listen to this, folks. This fantastic contradiction. While the Jews promote race mixing for us, they're constantly railing against Jewish women marrying outside their race, and also Jewish men, but they can't help it because Jewish men prefer white women for obvious reasons. So there's only so much they can do about that. But all that the Jews really require, organized Jewry requires, is that they have a group of recognizable Jews to continue their historical conspiracy and continue killing off white people. That's what Judaism is really all about, is to exterminate the white race. Because we're the only ones standing between them them and total dominion. But it ain't going to work, folks. We're not going to give up. And more and more people are becoming aware of who the Jews really are. So it's a race against time. They're not going to win because too many people in our are aware. All you have to do is go into online chat rooms everywhere of all the white nationalist uh, websites, and you see identity people saying Jews aren't Israelites. They're not. David Duke, the Israelites are not. By the way, uh, DNA studies have shown without, without any refutation possible that the Ashkenazi Jews do not have any Israelite blood. As we've been telling you for years, uh, a recent study has come out, and we, we cite these studies. I'll put that up on the main page of Eurofolk Radio, uh, the, the most recent study on that. And uh, basically, an Ashkenazi Jew had his DNA study done and, both, and on both sides of his family, the mother's side and the father's side, there's no trace of Israelite blood, only Khazar blood. And he said, I'm out of here. I'm done being a Zionist. This is all lies. Goodbye. And that is the reaction a Jew should have when he realizes he's been lied to by the Zionists, by his rabbis, etc., etc., so if you cannot see through this blatant hypocrisy, then you do not have eyes to see or ears to hear or nose to smell the stench. In effect, the Jews have usurped the chosen people doctrine for their own breed of mixed race people from the true chosen people, us, Christian Israel. Whenever they can, they call themselves Israel, but they never meet the biblical definition, which is a chosen race. Race, folks, not breed, not a breed of vipers descended from Satan. The Jews are not a race. They are a mongrelization objectified in a people. Oh, they are mongrelization objectified in a people. They have always been. No mongrels are to be allowed in the congregation of Israel. This is Yahweh's law. Shall not come a mamzer into the congregation of Yahweh. Deuteronomy 23.2. I'll bet you've never heard a Jew quote that verse. The Jews are the living representation of this broken law. They are the evil seed. And because our people have forgotten this law, they tolerate the Jews and their satanic religion in spite of all evidence that their religion is evil. But this is the nature of the enmity, is it not? The Bible predicted that the Jews, as descendants of Cain, 
through Canaan and Edom, that this enmity would last until the end, until the resolution of all good and evil at the judgment day. True Israel, for the most part, has forgotten her identity, while the impersonator has taken over Israel's inheritance, which is, of course, the earth. I want the world! The Jews want the world, and they've done so through their corporate and banking interests and through uh, their clever uh, monopolization of virtually every industry. In order to hide their enmity for us or from us, they pretend to be us. They're hiding in plain sight, but nobody knows what they really are. Well, they pretend to be white when it suits their purpose, and when they pretend to be white, they actually smear us. And then when it suits them, they admit they're Jews and aren't white. <laughs> okay, again, more hypocrisy. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, Luke 12, 1. Very clever, isn't it? And our people are oblivious to the charade that is going on. Why? Because the pulpiteers do not teach it. The pulpiteers are actually teaching Judaism. It's, it's gotten so bad, I don't even want to call it Judeo-Christianity anymore because it's so Jewish that it might, you might as well just call it Judaism. Uh, pulpa Judaism. <laughs> because they're not teaching Christianity in any shape, or form, all they do is give lip service to the name Jesus. That's it. That's how bad the Judeo-Christian churches are today. There's not even a remnant of Christianity left in these churches. It's all Judaism. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it is. There. Yeah, Jews are pretty easy to spot. Uh, you know, their, their smile, usually their crooked lips, their crooked teeth, their crooked eyes. Although some of them, when they're younger, it's harder to tell that they're Jews. Gloria Steinem was actually a pretty woman until she grew up. <laughs> now you can see, whoa, whoa. Now, of course, she's a Jewess. And her whole career... Her whole career was funded by the CIA to create feminism. And, of course, feminism is a, just another Jewish construct. The Bible is very clear. Men should not put on women's clothing. Women should not put on men's clothing. And the death penalty is invoked, even in the New Testament, for men laying with men and women laying with women. It's still there. None of this law has been revoked. The only law that has been changed is the law of sacrifice. The sacrifices were done away with at Calvary and no other laws. And, of course, the associated laws that dealt with, you know, uh, you know giving alms for sacrificial animals such as doves and the the uh, donations to the temple so that the temple priests could continue their activities. Well, that was done away with. So everything with the temple sacrifices has do been done away with. That's it. Nothing else was done away with. The Ten Commandments are still active, and we better not disobey them. And one of the bases, thou shalt not commit adultery, 
It's Deuteronomy 23.2, restated, thou shalt not race mix. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 gives us Jesus Christ's line of descent. It is a scriptural proof that Yahshua is a 100% white Adamite and a Shemite and an Israelite of the tribe of Judah. Throughout the ancient world, Adamites and Shemites were described as Nordic in appearance. They were not slanty, slanty forehead, hook-nosed Jews as the Canaanites were. Quote, the show of their countenance doth witness against them, unquote, regarding the race mixers. Jews and other mongrels are easily recognized by their facial characteristics. It's easy to tell a mongrel, at least the first generation, and probably third and fourth quadroon, as they used to be called. A, a first generation mongrel is easily detected because they have, you know, for example, a, a half-breed of a black and a white. You know, the, the child has lighter skin, st- still tends to have kinky hair and the broad nose and uh, broader lips that Negroes have. It's easy. It's easy to see a first-generation mongrel. But as you go down the line in subsequent generations, it gets harder and harder to tell. Continuing, And it is clear to me that the dispensationalist heresy, which teaches that the Jews were the original Israelites, was designed to obscure our true history. The dispensationalists teach that the Jews failed in their mission, whatever that may have been. (laughs) No, actually, they have succeeded in their mission as the children of Satan. And the church age of Christianity took the place of the Jews. So in other words, the church has now replaced Israel. That's replacement theology. But these churches are multiculti, so they can't be legitimate. The problem is that the Bible teaches no such thing. On the contrary, Scripture tells us that Jacob Israel will not be destroyed, though he will be divorced and punished for a while. The purpose of dispensationalism is to hide the fact that Israel is still the covenant people and that people is the Caucasian race and not the Jews. So this is why the Jews hate Christian identity so much because this is the teaching that they are not Israel. The exposure of the Jews as non-Israelites, as Edomites, Canaanites, and Khazars is something they cannot abide because this will dethrone them when people realize that the Jews are not Israel and they don't have any right to claim that country called Palestine. The jig is up. Once the Baptists stop supporting the Israeli state because they realize that they're not Israel, the jig is up, the game is over. Just like the people believe the, the hoaxacosts. When people start denying the hoaxacost and mass, the game's over. They won't have any control. The reason they have control over our minds is because people believe these two preposterous lies. So the, we are the children of Adam. As the Bible clearly spells it out, Yahweh begat Adam, who begat Seth, Enos, Canaan one, Malil, Malaliel, Jared, Enoch, the seventh son from, from Yahweh, who begat Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Arphaxad, of course, the lineage of Shem's two brothers, Japheth and Ham, is spelled out in the Bible as well especially in Genesis chapter 10. And, but uh, 
It's the book of Adam through Shem, through Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the, the there are other Adamites still in the world today, especially the Japhethites, who are uh, uh, called Slavs today. But they are still our racial brothers. And when the planet is restored to the condition of Genesis 1, 27, and 28, when we everything will be restored to its proper place and all the races will be separated. So the day, the, the Slavs will be liberated from Jewish power as well. Continuing. Noah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Arphaxad, Canaan 2, sometimes it's spelled K, with a K to differentiate the first Canaan, uh, this patriarch is mentioned in Septuagint, but not in the Masoretic text. This listing is from Luke 3, 35, 6, uh, 36. Sheila, Heber, or Eber, Ragal, Saruch, Nahor, Therah, Abraham, Isaac. And it's probably from Therah that we get the word Terah from, which is a reference to the earth. We're all... Uh, the planet Terra, as it has been often called historically. Thera, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Perez, Esram, Aram, Aminadab, Naasen, Salmon, Boaz, and all of these are pure white patriarchs. No race mixing allowed, otherwise Yahshua would not have been born. Had to be racially pure. Obed, Jesse, David, Nathan, Matatha, Menan, Malia, Eliakim, Jonan, Joseph 1, Judah 2, Simeon, Levi 1, Mathat 1, Eliezer, Jose, or Joseph, Er, Elmadam, Kozam, Adi, Melchi 1, Nerai, Salathiel, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is the patriarch that came back from the uh, Babylonian captivity with the pure-blooded Judahites that attended. And remember, the first thing that uh, Ezra and Nehemiah did when returning to Jerusalem was to kick out all the half-breeds. And then they swore that they would get rid of all the half-breeds and kick them out. That's clearly what Ezra and Nehemiah teach, folks. That's the most important lesson of those two books. Reza, Johanna, or Johanan, sorry. Uh, Judah 3, Joseph 2, Mattathias, Maath, Nage, Esli, Nahum, Amos, Mattathias 2, Joseph 3, Yana, Melchi 2, Levi 2, Matat 2, Eli Joseph 4, Yahshua, Messiah. Okay? So the Bible is very meticulous in tracing the bloodline from Adam to Yahshua, Jesus Christ. Why would it go through all the trouble of listing this pure blood seed line if race mixing were suddenly approvable, were suddenly good, where does the Bible say the Ten Commandments no longer apply? It doesn't say that. It's the Judeo-Pulpiteers who say that. The Bible doesn't say that. 
And the Jews love it when the Judeos say that because the Jews don't practice Yahweh's laws either. So that makes them happy. Now you're all Judeos. You're just like us. Law deniers and lawbreakers. Now, of course, there are those who will say that Joseph was not the real father of Jesus. Not to worry. Matthew gives us Mary's side of the family, and she is also a pure-blooded Israelite of the tribe of Judah, just as Joseph is. And you can't get any purer than the Holy Spirit, which is also a reference back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam had the breath of life breathed into him by Yahweh. The Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit that impregnated Mary. Of course, the Jews deny this also. They teach that uh, she was seduced by a Roman soldier and became a whore. That's what the Jews teach about Mary. Thus, we have irrefutable scriptural evidence of the seed line of the Adamites. Undeniable, folks. You can't deny this. It's there in every version of scripture. It's just they don't talk about it. They try to hide it as much as possible. Once the Israelites came on the scene, the Holy Seed was named after them. We, the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and Caucasian peoples, are that Holy Seed. And the word holy means dedicated, set apart. Because it's obvious that we have always been throughout history a rebellious people with lots of sinners among us. So the word holy cannot possibly mean pious or righteous. It only means separated, set apart, dedicated. And that dedication was reaffirmed when Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac on the altar that he had built. That's placing Isaac's descendants on the altar as well. So our race was dedicated on the altar. And you find that henceforth, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible treats only the direct descendants of Jacob as God's chosen people and no one else. Everyone else is excluded. Even the the children of Hagar, and Keturah were excluded so as not to interfere with Isaac's bloodline descent heritage. So let's get to the bloodline of Cain. We're just uh, getting now to the other side of the uh, equation here, the two bloodlines. In this episode, I will not get into any problems of translations or any problems of potential tampering with the original Hebrew text. Here, I merely wish to establish that there are, in fact, two bloodlines. The bloodline of Seth and the bloodline of Cain. Genesis chapter 4 begins with these words. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived (coughs) and bare Cain. Now taken by itself, this seems pretty straightforward that Cain was the result of Adam impregnating Eve. But it's not that simple because there's more to the story. From this verse, one would assume that Adam was Cain's father, 
but herein hangs a tale of possible Jewish tampering with the text. In the final episode of this series, we will consider this evidence. In the meantime, the fact remains that Cain murdered his brother Abel and was kicked out of the garden for this crime. He went east into the land of Nod. The word Nod is capitalized in the text, but it is questionable whether this is justified. This simply means the land of wandering. That's what the word Nod, Nod means. So to give it, to capitalize it as if it were some kind of nation is, you know, I mean, it's editorial license to do that. So uh, Strong's Concordance gives four related words, nud, N-U-W-D, pronounced nud, and meaning to waver, land of wavering. So, uh, obviously, since Cain was a half-breed, <laughs> he, he was internally co- conflated, confuted, confounded. But, of course, whenever you have good and evil fighting against each other and you don't have a stalwart, righteous person, he will cave in. Typically, will cave in by, from temptation. This has been our problem. And, of course, the Jews, uh, they always cave in. <laughs> the Jews cave in. They don't know what the word righteous means. Figuratively, to wander, flee, disappear. Also, from shaking the head in sympathy. Oh, boy, vey. Boy, Okay, gee. Man, you're scornful. To console, deplore. Or from tossing the head in scorn to taunt. Now, this is what the word nude actually means. So, we're talking, you know, uh, a, a wide category here, not just in the land. Obviously, Cain was tossed out of the garden and sent east, probably to Samaria. But, uh, you know, that's a study for another day. What uh, we're focusing here is on the meaning of the word nude, or nod, as pronounced today. Bemoan, flee, get. Interesting, get, because that the meaning of the word cane is to acquire, to be acquisitive, to be greedy, to get. Anyway, this is the land that Cain acquired after being kicked out of the garden. Mourn, make to move, expel. Haven't the Jews been wanderers, (laughs) vagabonds and wanderers? It says so here. So uh, make to move, take pity, remove, shake, skip for joy. It's uh, you can see the Jews dancing for joy in their various dances. Be sorry. So this is a a conflated word with a lot of contradictions in it. Vagabond. There you go. Way wandering. This is specifically told us about Cain that he would be a vagabond and a wanderer forever. Note the many words here which are associated with Jews and their persecution mythology to wander, to taunt, bemoan, mourn, vagabond, wandering, as in the proverbial wandering Jew. So those of you who are listening to this type of material for the very first time, 
I hope it is becoming clear that the Jews have always been vagabonds and wanderers. Their literature is full of complaints that we don't have a country. We don't have a land of our own. Their very existence for the last 1900 years has been nothing but bemoaning the fact that once the temple was destroyed by the Romans, they didn't have a country. They were wanderers and vagabonds. Hmm. Wanderers and vagabonds. You got a clue as to who the Jews are now? Endless mixing. Yes, that's what we've got with the Jews. And not just mixing blood, mixing doctrines, mixing dogma, mixing confusion everywhere. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, Uh, we have about four minutes left. Uh, Word number 5111, nude called in to flee, get away. Of course, they were chased out. Cain and his breed have been in exile ever since. 5112, node or nod, exile, wandering, 5113, node, also pronounced node, the same as 5112, vagrancy, nod, the land of Cain, nod. I suggest that the proper definition of the word nod is nomad. They've been a nomadic people, the wandering Jew has been a vagabond and a nomad throughout history. And the only way they got Palestine for the second time was to pretend to be Israel. And even then, they didn't get it for them. They needed, the first time, they needed the help of the Romans to overcome the house of Judah. And this time, they had to use the British Empire, the military of the British Empire, to take over that country because they do not have a military of their own. Even today, the Jewish military is a joke. It's an absolute joke. If it wasn't for all of the weaponry given to them by us, America, they would be a, a snot hole country, which in fact they are a snot hole country. After taking a Nodite to wife, she bears his first son, Enoch. By the way, the names given to his sons by Cain mimics the names of the Adamites for obvious reasons. They're always mimicking us. Genesis 4 gives us this genealogy. Cain, Enoch, Irad, or Irad, probably the founder of nations himself, uh, like Iraq and Iran, Mehujael, Methusael, and Lamech. Lamech had two wives, Ada and Zillah. Note that Genesis 4 fails to list Adam as the father of Cain. Very important omission, folks. This omission is ignored by virtually all theologians. Note that Genesis 4 fails to list Adam as the father of Cain. If Adam were indeed the father of Cain, why such an oversight? One possible conclusion is that Adam is not listed as Cain's father because he is not his father. Lawrence Gardner, in his book Realm of the Ring Lords, and he's a Freemason, a book about the genealogies of the most ancient kings and queens and their modern descendants, lists Cain as descended from Eve but also does not list Adam as the father. Pages 324 to 327. So the Freemasons know something, but they're not sharing it very publicly. The Bible genealogy continues. Lamech, 
And through Ada, we have Jabal and Jubal. And these were the first circus entertainers. And Zilla, through Zilla, Tubalcane. Tubalcane was the inventor of weaponry and war. And the Jews are still in that business today, are they not? At this point, it is important to state that it is these Canaanite people and their descendants that comprised the half-breed ruling class which ruled over the indigenous people of Sumeria and Babylon. The Adamites and later the Israelites were forbidden to intermarry with these and other peoples. It is also the same Canaanite people, descendants of Cain, who became known as Canaanites, who bear the enmity against us Adamites. Okay, folks, we'll pick it up from here next week. I don't have music to play because uh, my uh, uh, computer had an update last night and it it erased a lot of my settings. So I'm going to say goodbye for now without the uh, fade-out music. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. The truth about the Jews is becoming more and more recognized every day. Take care.